Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Well, I want you, if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Isaiah 58, verse 6. If you're joining us for the first time tonight, God has been visiting us in these services, and that's not something I say lightly. And we announced this second week as Divine Encounter Week because God has been encountering us, and that is actually the purpose, which I'm going to get into tonight, of fasting and prayer. It's not, prayer is not witchcraft, Lord Make my husband want to go to my church. Make my daughter not drop out of college and choose the college that I want her to go to. That's not, it's not imposing your will on other people through prayer and getting God to force people to do things. That's not even Christianity. You know, the way to have a productive, fruitful life is by focusing on your life and what God's given you to do. You know, you, the Bible college students that are all here, you'll have a lousy ministry. If you're focused on what Rod Parsley's doing and, and T.D. Jakes and whoever else is, is famous at, at the time uh, as you get older, going to the purple, there's certain preachers down in Joel Osteen or opens with a joke, we need people. He, you're going to be a bitter person focused on other people. If you focus, and I don't mean selfishly focusing on yourself, but spiritually, when you focus on yourself, it then gives you the ability to minister to others. If there's no power in you from Christ, then there's nothing you have to offer. Such as I have, give I thee. You have to first receive something from God or you're just going through the motions. And fasting and prayer primarily is something that changes you. So at least, I can't speak for next week, but for these first two weeks of the fast, we've asked everybody in the church, everybody that's coming here, this is a time for you to have an encounter with God. I can tell immediately when I hear somebody step up to the pulpit whether they've ever had an encounter with God. Anybody ever hear my Uncle Ted when I've had him in? Put your hand up if you've heard my Uncle Ted. Do you feel like he may have had an encounter with God or does he strike you as a run-of-the-mill preacher? No, he tells the story. Seven years old. Which, by the way, having your children in these meetings is, is a big deal. Because God, just like the devil doesn't wait till you're 23 to start showing you his worst... God won't wait till you're grown to, get, to, to, get, to give himself to you. I mean, you read the Bible. Jesus said, they said, no, don't bring your children to pray. Jesus has prayed for the whole village, enough. He said, no, let the children come to me. For such as the children of heaven, such as the kingdom of heaven, I tell you the truth, their angels are constantly before the Father. He values you even in your youth, and he doesn't set you aside when you're older. So my Uncle Ted tells that story, that he was running in the field in West Virginia outside of Fairmont, and Jesus appeared to him. And told him, when you're older, I'm going to give you a gift. You'll know what's wrong with people. When you tell them what's wrong, it'll give them faith to receive from your prayer for me to heal them. And then Jesus left. And he, got, he cried. 
and ran home and it scared him so bad. He said, I don't ever want that to happen again. My, my grandmother that we just buried a, a couple months ago, she said, if that happens again, say, this is your servant. I'm, I'm listening. I don't want it to happen again. You know, God is a mighty God. But he's still telling that story, getting ready to turn 70 in April of this year. And it impacted him. One encounter with God will turn you into a different person. There's people that are on all kinds of medication and uh, counseling and therapy. And I thank God for anybody that's trying to help anybody. But one encounter with Jesus Christ and your life will never be the same. And yes, we teach the Bible. We don't come into this room and just shake our heads and pray as hard as we can, hoping to get God to come into the room and manifest and start speaking to us. If we're going to do that, might as well just start passing peyote around and uh, whatever else. They don't do that. But... There is, it is impossible to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, you need to make that your number one priority this week. I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8. The Bible tells how all those people were born again in Samaria, but none of them had yet received the Holy Ghost. When Peter and John heard that none of them had received the Holy Spirit, think of this. And I know I'm quoting it to you, but Acts 8. The Bible says an evangelist, beginning in verse 4, Philip the evangelist went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. For many that were paralyzed were healed, and many that were, that were demon-possessed, the demons came out screaming as they left. So there was great joy in the city. Philip, check this now, Philip had a city-shaking revival. Where there wasn't joy in the church, there was so many people were getting impacted that there was joy in the city. Even the people that weren't in the meetings. My uncle was paralyzed. He was healed in those meetings. There was great joy in the city. But when Peter and John heard that none of the believers had yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they didn't say, well, you know, good enough. They're in a revival. They came from Jerusalem to Samaria to lay their hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It's great to watch God move through my Uncle Ted or through whoever. It's great to know somebody who carries God's power. I love it. I could watch my Uncle Ted call people out in the word of knowledge for three hours without moving. I'm sad when he wraps up. But there's no substitute for you being a carrier of God's power. Think of this with me. The Bible says, I've I've preached on this before, that in the Old Testament, they took blood from that lamb that they would slaughter and put it on the ear of the priest, the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe, signifying the ear being cleansed to hear from God, the hand being purified to work for God, and the foot being purified to walk the path of God. Then they would take oil and apply it in the same three places. What's oil a type of in the Holy Ghost, or in the Bible? A type of the Holy Ghost, signifying empowering the ear to hear from God, empowering the hands to work for God, and empowering the feet to walk the path of righteousness. Well, in the new covenant, we don't apply blood of a lamb that's a type of Christ. Christ, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, shed his pure and holy blood, and the Bible says he sprinkled it over us, but he didn't just do that. He didn't rise from the dead and say, boys, it's all done. Stay near the cross. No. He said, tarry in Jerusalem till you've received that which the Father promised. For John baptized you in water, but in not many days hence, you will be filled with what? 
the Holy Spirit. And then he told what will happen. And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So it is a colossal mistake to take something, an element that Jesus said when he gives that to you, it's going to give you power to live the Christian life. And say, well, no. And then people wonder why. You can go to the average church in America or Canada. How many of you are struggling with sin? Every hand goes up. How many of you are struggling with sickness and disease? How many of you need a healing tonight? Who needs a breakthrough? Everybody puts their hands up because they've rejected the power. The Bible says a sign of the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 5. They will have a form of godliness, but they will reject the power that would make them godly. They'll have a form. Amen. Hallelujah. Sit down when it's time. Stand up when it's time. Listen to the message. Listen to the three points that they're drawing out at church at the movies. That uh, Many of you, when you watch Transformers, didn't realize what was being really taught there. And you know how you nod your head and you get the free popcorn and get your communion set on your way to your car. But you come in addicted and leave addicted. Come in with anxiety, leave with anxiety. Christianity is not an ideology or a philosophy or a belief system. Christianity is contact with the resurrection, life-giving power of God. Bible says in Romans 8, if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it dwells in you. Oh, Lord, no, not out there, in here. You're to carry God's power. Even during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, God's filling you, God's touching you, but on day 22, it's not, well, okay, enough of that. Let's get back to life. You can live every day in that power. You don't have to have it for church and when you're dressed up. You, I mean, thank God that business owner rescued that life. He didn't do it because, well, you know, this is business time. It's not church time. No, let me pray for my employees. What did that? It'll turn you into a different person. People will see something different in you. You're going to catch people. I used to see my mother. She's probably watching right now. You remember that um, Haas's restaurant that used to be in Cannonsburg? I think there's like a Walgreens there now. We would eat there after church all the time. This 19-year-old server, back then they were called waitresses, she came over. And my mom's sitting there. We're there after church. My mom didn't tell her, like, excuse me, would you mind if I prayed for you? Nothing. We're just, like, cracking jokes and stuff like people in this county do. And uh, she goes, she starts telling my mom about her boyfriend that she's living with and the problem she's having. And I'm thinking of leaving him, but I don't know where I'd live. And then, you know, after, like, four minutes, she goes, I don't even know. I'm sorry. I don't even know why I'm telling you all this. The anointing makes people confess. I called Dr. Rodney one time because I was preaching at a conference with four other preachers. And when I finished preaching and sat in the back room, you know, I just wanted to have some grape juice and uh, the cheese tray. I was done. And this older preacher, close to 60, starts telling me about, you know, when I traveled on the road, I stayed at this hotel one time and uh, this girl was hitting on me. And he starts telling me like quasi sins. He was like, hey, number one, why are you telling me? Number two, why are you telling me? Because I don't know you. We're not friends. I didn't tell you I wouldn't tell anybody or anything. Why are you telling me things that could end your ministry? I mean, I'm telling a whole room full of people right now. In fact, his name. No. So when he finished and he said, he said, I'm sorry. I don't even know why I'm dumping all this on you. So I called Pastor Rodney. I said, man, I had, he said, how'd the service go tonight? I said, it was good. I said, I had a weird thing happen. We went to the back, so-and-so, that's one of the conference, because I'm like a guy, pastor's a big church. Started telling me all this stuff he did that's wrong. 
I said, just, I never asked her anything. I actually didn't want to know. He said, the anointing makes people confess. When you carry God's presence, did Jesus, did Jesus go grab Zacchaeus and shake him and say, hey, I bet you you've been stealing, haven't you? No. Jesus comes up to Zacchaeus and says, hey, I'm going to come to your house today for dinner. No, no, nothing negative. And Zacchaeus just blabs like a mafia guy that, 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 that has a plea deal. I've been stealing much, but I'm going to pay back four times everything I stole. Jesus never said one thing to him. When he got in the presence of Jesus, the anointing makes people unload the thing that is weighing them down. So if we have one person or me and Pastor Dean and Pastor Denise and, and Pastor Jay, and that's all we've got in this community, then a few people are going to get helped. But if this room leaves tonight with a bunch of young people at high school carrying God's power, bunch of university students, bunch of business owners, there's nobody here. There's nobody here, as I'm talking, that's been in church for any period of time that you're not thinking right now. At your job, people already open up to you. You have people confide all the time. People are actually so weighed down, they don't know where to go for help. You know what the Bible says? Jesus taught and preached and healed. He had compassion for them because the people were like sheep without a shepherd. They had, in the New Living Translation, they had so many problems, but they didn't know where to go for help. People are on nine medications a day, some for their mind, some for their body. Their marriage is failing. Their second marriage is failing. Their third marriage is failing. Their children are on drugs. They're trying everything the world has for help, and they can't get any help because the world has no power to rid people of the consequence of sin but Jesus on the inside of you has more than enough power to set captives free so I'm telling you tonight I'm telling you tonight that when I say focus on you in the fast it's so when these opportunities happen more because you're caring more of the light of God from this encounter I told you the story if you were watching last night when I was in Texas, Smith Wigglesworth, that was spending time with God every day, gets on the train to go preach. He's not trying to win anyone to the Lord. Sits in the car with the four seats, and the other three people start weeping and get down on their chair and say, Sir, you convict us of sin. Well, I read Mariah Woodworth Edder's story. There should be a hunger Not if you're in the ministry. There should be a hunger in every Christian. I want to be a walking, talking, hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus Christ. He's the head. We're the body. I want to carry his life to my generation. I believe that's why you're here tonight. And God is going to fill you with the power that it takes to get that done. If you receive that, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Take 15 good seconds. Clap your hands. Give the Lord a mighty shout. You know, I, you hear things we say at this church that would sound arrogant to a passerby. We're not believing for revival. We are revival. We carry revival. You know, what a stupid mentality to have. Lord, send your spirit. Uh, he doesn't need to send his spirit. You need to open to the book of Acts and realize the Holy Spirit was sent. Then he was not vacuumed back up out of the earth. Paul laid his hands on Timothy and gave him that same power he received. Read the church history. Timothy passed it down to other church fathers. That thing never died out. It didn't go away and come back in Azusa Street. Mariah Woodworth Edder was pre-Azusa Street. I was reading you the diary of signs and wonders. 
They called them the sign people, people that carried God's power. It never left. It's not, Lord, please do it. It's already here. It's, Lord, it's easy to pawn it off on God. Lord, send your healing power. It's sent. Lord, send the Holy Spirit. There's only one, and he was sent. So then it changes it from God, please, to Lord, fill me. Use me. Baptize me. Anew and afresh in the Holy Spirit. Bible says in the book of Galatians, be, I, I dealt with this last night, be not drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But instead, everybody say instead. instead. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. They can't translate that right in English because there's not a word for it. But in the Greek, it's a continuous tense. Not get filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1986. You look like it. It doesn't say get filled with the Holy Spirit. It says be being filled. Maintain a continuous filling of the Holy Spirit because your flesh is still alive. Until they have your funeral, your flesh is alive. So even if you got delivered from everything there is to get delivered from, the fact that your flesh is still alive, it'll have appetites. The flesh, the Bible says, warreth against the spirit. You can't get it kept under subjection one day and be done with it. It, it looks to rise up and usurp over the spirit. Listen to the words of the Bible. The flesh warreth against the spirit. Not the flesh agrees to disagree with the spirit. The flesh warreth. No, I don't want to pray. I don't want to fast. I'm not going to church. I'm not. The flesh wars against the spirit. And so it is essential in a flesh body to maintain Jesus, to maintain a filling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh filling every day to start the year off. That's why we're starting. This isn't taking place in the middle of March. Right up front, January 2nd, Lord, I'm not, I'm not seeing what this year's gonna bring me. I'm commanding this year what to bring me because I'm starting it rooted in your presence and in your power. Can you say amen? The world needs that. The world needs Christians. I'm glad when that waitress was saying that to my mother. My mom would say, uh, yeah, I don't know why you're telling me that either. You should hear what's going on with me. My husband's on the road all the time. He's, you know, he's a preacher. They hardly pay him anything. We're having a hard time ourselves. No, somebody has to have the answer. Not get into who's got the worst problem competition. That lady finished saying that. I don't even know why, why I'm telling you that. My mom said, would you mind if I prayed for you? The lady's like tearing up. No, I actually would like that. I, I was thinking as a kid, back then I was like, this lady's going to get fired. I was like seven. I go, you can't do this. No, waitress, go pray with someone at the table. My mom prayed with her. Right there, led her to the Lord. Started taking her to Central Assembly of God with, Church with us. She'd hug my mom every time we came into the restaurant, ask if she could be our server for like two years. Just from caring, coming from church and carrying that. You know, think of this with me. Because some of you will get this illustration better from being around the opposite. You didn't have a mom like me or a dad like me. But you know the opposite. When your dad came back from the bar, you knew he had been at the bar. There was a feel, a hellish feel on him. You could tell it felt dirty, unclean. Walked in, have a certain look in his eye. You might shut your Nintendo off or whatever and go, go upstairs. So he's going to start yelling soon. Something bad's going to happen. One of the nine fruit of the flesh is going to start to manifest. Well, if you can carry hell on you, why would you think it's strange that God also made provision that you can carry heaven on you? And you can carry heaven on you 
Not only can you carry it, you carry it in degrees. And you choose what degree that you want to carry it. You can carry a light touch of heaven. You can carry a, 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 a good touch of heaven. Or you can carry a strong, you know, who Charles Finney does his revival in Rochester, New York. They, they shut the bars down for decades. Not because he petitioned. There was no one going to the bar. It was unprofitable to have a bar in Rochester. Everybody was at church. Barnum and Bailey Circus comes. Back when it's the greatest show on earth. The only show on earth. 5,000 in attendance, average. They go to Rochester. Two people show up. And they close it down after one night. The guy took the town over. One of the factory workers got saved, or factory owners, and asked Brother Finney if he'd come and bless his factory. So he walks to the factory with him. As he walks in, all the workers stop working and lay down on their faces and begin to call out to God. They didn't see him or anything. He carried heaven with him. See, when you carry heaven with you, when that lady came and said, I can't walk, but I want you to pray for me at our church. There has to be a, okay. Not, well, you know, we'll see what God does. No, God did everything he's going to do. He sent his son to take stripes on his back and destroy the power of sickness and disease. He gave you the power of the Holy Spirit. There should be a confidence in you that has to be developed in a week like, like this. I'm not like everybody else. I don't carry what everybody else carries. Not only am I not going to be victimized by depression and sin, and divorce, and whatever else. I'm going to carry an overflow of God's power, not just for me to live in victory, but to have an overflow of it that that stuff can't stay in the room with me. There's going to be people that leave this meeting tonight that even if you're the only one that serves God in your home, what is in you is going to be greater than everything else that's in that house. If the Bible tells us one thing, we can clearly see that God doesn't have to outnumber the opposition for you to have victory. One with God is a majority. If I went, like, let's say instead of being 43, let's say I was 18 and a half, and I was shipping off for uh, New York University, liberal college, wicked college, place that if any pro-life demonstrators set up, they flip their table, throw paint at them. I wouldn't have to get enough people saved to start there being a revolution. You could carry enough power that you go into that school. Now, you actually outnumber all the devil's crowd. Do you know where you get that from in the Bible? Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is in Babylon, not New York University. Babylon. That the Bible calls, oh, Babylon, home of, home of buzzards and every unclean spirit. I'm not suggesting you study witchcraft, but if you do, every witchcraft and occultic group traces its roots back to Babylon. That's where they were against God, against God and worship demonic things. Daniel wasn't there. I bind those spirits. No, he was maintaining three times a day. He prayed before God and in praying to God. It built something up on the inside of him that all of those astrologers and all of those magicians met with the king and said, if we can't get this guy to stop praying, we can't do anything that we're setting out to do. See, and I, I, I don't want to get 
political at all. But that's why, don't, I've told you, don't take any of my comments of trying to get, as, a, as if I'm trying to get you to not be politically involved. But as I'm preaching this, and as you study this, it gets hard to be concerned about what's happening on the outside. Who do you think is going to win? I, whoever wins, this church is going to go to 25,000. Nobody can stop it. This church is going to expand. This church is going to dominate. Because if God is for me, nobody can be against me. And I'm telling you tonight, God is for you. Good luck to anybody that's against you. Can you say amen? amen. Isaiah 58, verse 6. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And don't hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation or your light will break forth like the dawn. So if you do the fast... The way God tells you to fast, these are the rewards that God said will come. Your salvation, or in the King James, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. I know there's some wounds that we just never get free from. That's not a scripture. Your wounds, everybody say, my wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. When you call on the Lord, he will answer. He will say, yes, I'm here. And he'll quickly reply, which is speedy, expedited answers to prayer. When God told you the type of fast he wanted, then he said, when you do, almost all of those deal with you. They deal with, then your righteousness will spring forth. Your light will spring forth. There should be a desire. It's, it's kind of arrogant to, arrogant to come before the Lord. Father, I come to you today. Deal with my mother. Deal with my father. Deal with my brothers and sisters. Deal with my boss. Kill him in Jesus' name. <laughs> Deal with the Democrat Party. Deal with these rhino. Everybody's a problem and you're all settled. What an arrogant way to be rather than, Lord, fill me more full of your fire and power. Make me somebody that stands in this last hour of time that the devil doesn't know what to do with them. There's a man named Pastor Enoch Ataboye. They have a, a, a building. They just built a new building, three kilometers by three kilometers, which I looked up is 1.87 miles by 1.87 miles. 1.87 miles long by 1.87 miles wide. And it's full. And the outside's full. And they feed everyone for free. There's no ticket charge to come. Everybody gets their meals for free. They start, they had, at this time in the 1980s, they had 300 people that came to that meeting and held it at a church. So this is how, I know where we're going. God's not God in Nigeria, and then he struggles in Pittsburgh. He'll do the same thing for anybody in any land if they'll do, if you take the same steps. Can you say amen? amen. So he, he told the story to his ministers. He didn't, he didn't tell it publicly, but I'm telling it publicly. That there was a witch doctor from French Africa, a man that was a notable, powerful witch doctor. And do you know why he came to their campgrounds and got saved? It wasn't to curse him. He said, every time you would wake up, I knew you in the spirit. He said, when, you're, when you would wake up and your feet would hit the ground, I could feel it in the demonic realm. And we would say, he's up. 
And then when you went to sleep, we were happy. Him, not Jesus, him. Where does Jesus live? Two answers. Number one, he's at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible clearly tells you, I preached on it last night, by a mystery of the Spirit, he lives in the Christian, in their heart. Can you say amen? amen? And he said, when you would wake up, we would know our stuff wouldn't work. We were upset you were awake. He said, so one day I just wise, wisened up and thought if this guy, what he has, is powerful enough to stop what we're doing, let me go see what he has. And he did. And he renounced his works and received Jesus Christ. This is an old, you hear me preaching like how I preach with like an angry face and loud. This guy's as gentle as can be. It's not about, this is, this is how God made me. It's not about your yelling or your jumping. There's a spiritual force that the Christian has the ability to, can, to, to carry that you can't snuff it out. It, it, is, it is an amazing thing. It is a mystery of the spirit that is every believer has access to. I would be doing you a disservice if I just said, me and Adonis are going to fast and pray and our pastoral staff, obviously that's not for the rest of the people, you know, and then kind of ran church like they do in America. How many of you have a prayer request? Why don't you come here? The pastors will pray for you. If that was the system, then there was no point in Jesus ever coming because that system was already in place. You have a problem. You tell the priest. The priest goes to God and comes and tells you the answer. But when Jesus came, the veil of the temple that shut people out was torn top to bottom and we just celebrated Christmas where we recognized again that you shall call him Emmanuel God with us you can access God you can carry his power and I'll tell you something right now there's nothing that spirit of religion hates more than, than that revelation that people don't need a go-between to get to God. They can access him. There's a guy, I've, I've had him testify here before. His name's Killa. He has a tattooed on his knuckles. K-E-L-A. I used to invite him to come hear me preach every time I was in East Maui. And he would just nod and he never came. And then he told the testimony. He came one time, high on meth, no shirt on. He, all of his income, when he got saved, he had to walk away from 100% of his income. He made all his money illegally. And he comes in and he said, when you were preaching, something flared up at me and I got so mad I was going to punch you. He said, but I couldn't move. See, that's the Lord protecting me because he could kill me with his bare hands if you saw me, big Hawaiian. And he came up and got saved. Then he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. See, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, there is a zeal and a fire. Tongues, cloven tongues of fire came and settled on each of their head. There's a fire. When you light somebody on fire, they forget that they can't run and have a hip problem. They run. They forget that they were raised Catholic and don't scream. They scream. When you're on fire, you forget about your limitation, and all you know is you're on fire. So without thinking, he starts going to all the people he sells drugs to and tells them, you need to get saved. Tells them what happened to him. They, most of them let him pray for him, and then he heard what I preached, there was no one to tell him, well, no, they don't have to get baptized right away. You know, there's like baptism service once every three months. He would get them saved, walk them to the Pacific Ocean, which is a short walk in Hana, and baptize them when the Catholic priest and the local pastors. It doesn't matter. Protestants and full gospel people hate the Holy Ghost just as much as anybody else. They act like they don't, but they don't like any manifestation of the Spirit. 
Go try it. Go to a full gospel church on Sunday other than ours and, and, and worship God in tongues like the Bible tells you to and watch how quick a deacon, just as quick as in a Catholic church or a Reformed church will come over. Didn't you tell me when you came to Oklahoma from Ghana that happened to you? But tell, tell what happened. He went to the prayer tower to pray at Oral Roberts University. Sorry, but it's part of the story. Go ahead. Continue. They look at me weird. So what I'll do is uh, I go at night, turn off the light, and then just pray so nobody will see me. Yeah. And then you hear from other people come over from Africa or India and pray like they do. In Africa and India, at, at an Assemblies of God church or ch- Church of God in Christ or Church of God. Hey, you have to keep it down. You know, what I, you know, we don't pray like that here. I know. That's why the place is empty because Jesus doesn't like you anymore. Because you kicked, you kicked his running buddy out of church, the Holy Ghost. I have certain things in my spirit that I have like made up my mind about. I, I have heard so many preachers. They're in their big, nice sanctuary with tons of seats, padded seats. Everything's beautiful. And you hear him just say, like every service, how many of you remember when we were in the old building? They'd have to carry some of us out. Remember that back in the 80s? This ministry will never have a back in the. It'll never have a how many of you remember when the Lord moved back then? We are going to get in the river. We're going to stay in the river. And we're going to give the devil the worst thumping this year. If Jesus tarries next year, the next year, we're not going up and down. We're going up and up. Higher and higher from glory to glory. That's where you're going in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. This is called Encounter Week. So I'm preaching some stuff to give you faith to encounter God, to show you it's not some random thing. It's not something God decides. It's something you decide. You already made... Half, more than half the decision. I'm going to be in God's house. Why do we even do what we do? I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll come into his courts with praise. That's God's way. So that's how we start the service. The music ushers God's presence in. Then the Bible says the word and the spirit agree. We spend the bulk of the time in every service. God honors his word above his name. The spirit comes behind the word to confirm what's said. So this isn't like, like a routine that we just go through, but then let's really just really at the altar. That's where the, why not just open up the altar at seven o'clock and have everyone come? Because that's not the Bible way. But until you've praised him, you're not qualified to receive from him. There's actually a crucifixion of the flesh that takes place in praise. When they say, everybody stand to your feet, let's sing. No, you don't feel like it. Eh, you do that. It's enough for me to just get here. You guys sing. But then you crucify your flesh. The Bible says, lift up the hands that now hang low. Lift up your voice unto God. It's telling your body. No, the same way I crucified you to come here, I'm crucifying you while I'm here. Can you say amen? Amen. I love our church. I love our church here. I love our church in Texas. I I watched one of my favorite preachers. He was preaching at a church. And it's a charismatic church. Used to be big, now it's small. I mean, if I had to preach there three consecutive Sundays, I'd probably pass away. I could play you a video. Maybe it's why the Lord, I don't know, 
So it'd be all speculation. I was preaching at one church. They had a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service. So I preached the 9 a.m., and I was tired of doing the morning services anyway because the people that would come to the 9 a.m. service are people that want to be guaranteed they can be done at 1030. They're not there to get anything except to check the, off their list that they went to church. So I, uh, I'm preaching, and it's the deadest service. And I, you know, I've been preaching at this point for like 18 years. I know what those kind of services are. When I finished, I said, and this will be the last 9 a.m. service that you ever see me preach at for the rest of my life. And the pastor is like this, and the people, oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with it. I, I can't do this. I can't. You remember week two or three when we started the church? I said, now listen, we're gonna, I took the mic mid-worship and said, we're going to stand, and we're going to praise God, because, because I'm not. I'm not going to contribute to the decay of America by starting another lukewarm church where the person gets up in the beginning. If you're comfortable, we invite you to stand. If you're not comfortable, you can just sit and enjoy your coffee. No, you're going to stand. You don't have coffee, go stay in your living room. We're in the sanctuary to worship God. We're going to praise. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to receive the word with gladness. We're going to go out and win the lost. We're going to do it the Bible way. And in so doing, we're going to see Bible supernatural results. I'm looking at a room full of champions and winners, not dead religious people, on fire, revival people that are going to enjoy Enjoy the blessings of God. Can you say amen? amen? So what is fasting and prayer? Where do you get that it is something that encounters God? Daniel's on a fast. Verse 10. Only, then this is his fast. So, so verse 1, Daniel 10.1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had written, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. This is why we don't do the Daniel fast at our church. Because Daniel wasn't even doing the Daniel fast. Daniel wasn't on a 21-day fast. Daniel was on a fast until he got his answer from God. He was prepared to go on a fast for as long as it took. That's why it was just a restricted, I'm not having this kind of food. I'm going to keep my flesh under, and I'm going to make this, this a point to pray. Plus, he's in his early 90s at this point. So I'll, I'll leave you alone if you're 90. Even 80. Do what you want. When you want. How you want. But the rest of the time, he, he did a proper fast, as did everybody in the Bible. So what happened when he set himself aside? 20, on the 21st day, verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing. See, the Bible talks about how things are spiritually discerned. That's not the only place that's in the Bible. When Saul's on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him, but the men who are with him saw nothing. They only heard a loud noise. But he saw Jesus and heard a message. There's a spirit world. You know, do you know how many preachers are open to the spirit world? Don't take this the wrong way. I'm not promoting LSD use. I've never done it. I never will do it. But they, LSD opens you up to that world. 
I got a friend sitting in the back of the auditorium that before he got saved, him, him and his friend were on LSD. They had the same conversation with the same frog-looking spirit. And when they came out of the high, they both remembered and he said the same thing to both of them. There is a spirit world. There are demons, but there are also angels and the Holy Ghost and Christ. Why go to the fallen spirits when you can go to the higher spirit? The most high. From what I heard when I was in Angola, the top witch of that area came on the field while I was preaching. Did we have a showdown? No. You have to leave the field now. That's how I thought. In that, with that much energy. It was 7.30 in the morning. That was all I had. You have to leave the field. And she left the field. That was it. We're not on the same plane. Why would you mess with, do you know about Reiki crystals? Yeah. Do you know the guy who made the Reiki crystal? His name's Jehovah. Can you say Amen. Why would I go with things that are created or an idol or a carving of some figure when I can actually talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Fasting and prayer begins with an understanding that God has given me a platform in fasting and prayer. I can stay down here at a low level or in fasting and prayer, I can come up higher and commune with God by the Spirit. I've lost track of the amount of times my Uncle Ted's called me. Jonathan, this, this, and this are going to happen this year. This guy is going to do this. When he does it, do this. He'll react this way, and that's how, how, how you'll deal with that situation. By the Spirit. God knows the end from the beginning. The devil doesn't know what's going to happen two minutes from now. He's not God's equal counterpart. He's a created being. With a limited mind, he can only be in one place at one time. He's a loser. All of his plans have failed. Every last one of them. What do you think the devil's going to do in 2024? The devil should worry about what I'm going to do in 2024 because I'm not under his feet. He's under my feet and he's under your feet. Continuing with tonight's Devotion. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. I don't believe in falling under the power. I don't like when those people fall down like that. I don't think that's in the Bible. Well, then you bought a Bible on discount because somebody ripped the pages out. When he appeared to me, I fell down. I became very weak and fell on my face. That's, is that the only place that talks like that in the Bible? No. They came to arrest Jesus. Well, yes, they did fall down in the Bible in prostration to worship God. That's not true. They came to arrest Jesus, not worship him. Jesus met them, John 18, and said, Whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all fell to the ground backwards. Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation 1. And I fell at his feet as one dead. But he picked me back up on my feet and said, Behold, I'm the living one who died. Old Testament, when they dedicated the temple, the glory of God filled the temple, and the priests were unable to stand to perform their ministerial duties having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Isn't it interesting 
How the devil has no problem with you reading a little lesson, singing three hymns, and then dismissing. Well, time's up. Father, as we go our separate ways, give us traveling mercies. Bring us back this time next week. In, in thy name we pray. Amen. There's no resistance. Nobody flips out. Nobody gets upset because that's a form. That's a tradition. That's, I mean, you go to most churches. You know exactly what part of the service they're in. They're going to be two fast songs, one medium song, four slow songs, video announcement, short message, and then prayer, prayer of dismissal. And you know. So when you come in late, if they're on the medium song, okay, there's going to be two more slow songs, and then we go. Read the book of Acts. It was not, they were not churning a mill of doing the same service and getting people out. There were different services. The Holy Ghost is a unique spirit. He doesn't do the same thing every day. He has a will for every service. He's fun to follow because you never know what's going to happen, but you know something's going to happen. If religion and church services could save America, America would have been saved 40 years ago. You have to drive by eight churches to get to this one. There's no shortage of churches. But if you have a form of, but if there's no power there, no power, no one healed. Your average American goes to church. I'm talking one that's raised in a Christian home. Goes to church for 18 years. They don't see anything that even closely resembles a miracle. Never seen anybody get healed of anything. So they go for one semester to college, have one humanistic professor that mocks Christianity, and out they go. Yeah, he's right. I did grow up. None of that ever happened. But I'm telling you, when you get around this thing, and it gets in you, and you see that our God, you don't have to watch God's Not Dead, the movie, to know that God's not dead. Every Sunday when you come into his presence, there's people popping up. You're never going to believe what the Lord has done for me. Say with me, signs, wonders, and miracles. That was our only prayer point last year for prayer and fasting. Increase the signs. Increase the wonders. Increase the miracles. Did God answer us or not? Oh, yeah. Heavy miracles. Ones that made me go like this. And I grew up around this thing my whole life. But I'm telling you, in 2024, should the Lord tarry the whole year, God is going to do things in our midst that's going to make last year look like an appetizer. Because as sin abounds, there the grace and power of God that much more abounds. Where sin did abound. They're the grace and power of God that, oh, it's getting wicked out there. Good. Then that means God's not going to leave us to get slapped around by the devil. As he increases his action, God is making more of his grace and power available to those that are hungry. He won't just come hit you in the head watching TV. But if you come to a sanctuary that's been prepared with praise and worship and prayer to meet with God, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man, that's what God has prepared for those who love him. And this is a room full of addicted lovers of God. We're not here because pastor will get mad. I'm going to come because Jonathan, do we pass around an attendance sheet? I hate reading. 
I'm going to read people's curses. Oh, she was here. I can't make people serve God. I can open up the thing and make it available. I can't make anybody come. And I don't want anybody coming because I guilted them into it. Haven't seen you in church the last three weeks. Would love if you came. Everyone should know that by now. I'd love if you came every service all the time. I can't make, I don't want anybody there. Well, he called you. Blessed are the hungry, not the guilty, the hungry. Many people have gone to church their whole life. They never got one thing because every time they went, it was out of guilt. Because they got a D in math, so their mom made them go to church until they got their grades up. What a great way to introduce people to Christianity as a punishment. You're going to pray and you're going to go to church until you get your act together. And then you can go back to playing video games. No, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many of you are happy in Texas, in Pittsburgh, that you're in the presence of God? Watch it online. I'm so excited to meet more people from Canada and all over the world that are going to come and taste and drink of the heavenly wine. Go ahead. Take 30 seconds. Clap your hands. I stood up still trembling. Daniel 10, 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, as you continued to pray, one of the archangels came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time that's yet to come. So you can see that fasting and prayer provokes angelic help on behalf of the believer. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, are they not all, talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent to help those who are the heirs of salvation? How do you have so much of, of Christianity focused on demons? I have a generational curse. I don't. I have a generational blessing, according to the Bible. And then secondly, I don't have demons assigned to help me. I have angels assigned to help me. I don't say you got demons assigned to your life. I see there's a demon. I'm telling you, there's a demon that lives in my car. Okay, get Make him pay the registration fee then. No free rides. No, but I have angels. Psalm 91, he orders his angels to go with you wherever you go. A Christian's life shouldn't be marked by de demonic encounters. It should be marked by heavenly encounters. Amen. Heavenly encounters. I was on the fast. Not a demon came, an angel came. and said, I have the answer to your prayer. Bob uh, Rogers, Pastor Bob Rogers, that we've had come up here to preach, tells that story that he was on... Day 21 of a fast, went down to his kitchen to go get some juice to drink. And there was an angel standing there, just like a man, white robe, not see-through. There's different kinds of visions. There's a vision with your eyes closed. There's an open vision. And then there's a kind of, kind of vision where you can't tell if it's a vision or whether it's really there. That's why Paul said, I went to heaven, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And I saw things too marvelous to tell. Even Paul, he's not talking about demons, though he cast them out. I was caught up into heaven. I saw Christ on the road to Damascus. Then after that, I was taken up into heaven and heard things that are unlawful to tell on earth. Some of you have gone through enough hell.
and demons. This year, starting with this fast, there's going to be a switcheroo where your life's going to be marked by angelic encounters and hearing the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, this is the way. Walk ye therein. Heaven-focused, not hell-focused. Did you hear what the Democrats are doing? No, but they're going to hear about what I'm doing. Did you hear what happened? I'm not, I, I'm not out listening for what other people are doing. I am getting a plan from God for this year. And we're going we're gonna to remind the devil that 2,000 years ago, you got your rear end kicked on Golgotha's cross. And then power came down. The power that by sin you had deprived from men. Jesus restored that dominion to the church. And I'm a part of that church. So if you think you're going to delay me or harass me or, or anything for one second, you should have got me a long time ago. I know too much of this word. I've heard it. I've heard it in my spirit. I've heard it as men have preached, like my dad and Rodney Howard Brown, my Uncle Ted, others. I've heard it hit me in my spirit where the Holy Ghost, it, it wasn't just a speech. It was hit. That's you. You're going to do that. I'm going to use you to do that. My hand is on your life. Many of you right now, you're hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you. He's pulled you out of a pit. He didn't pull you out of a pit and rescue you just to rescue you and leave you there. If you're interested, you're going to encounter him tonight. He's going to use you. We don't just need, though we need him. We have a Bible college here. I hope it goes to 250 students in no time. Where will we put them? Somewhere. We have the whole downstairs free. They keep saying, where are we going to put the students? This whole, you can section this off. You can put some type of divider and have people teach. I don't care. I'm happy to run out of room. Everything should be running out of room according to the Bible. We should be getting calls from our PNC bank telling us you need to, you, you have got too much money in your account. We already got that call before. When that guy gave us a million dollars, they told us you need to stop using the local Oakdale branch. It's not set up to handle accounts of your size. Well, that was the first time I ever got that call. I used to got, please deposit some money. We're not running a charity for overdraft people. But God can turn anything around in one day. God can turn anything around in one day. I see everything turning around for your good. Can you say amen? Mark chapter 9. I want more. I'm not up here teaching you like some expert on spiritual things. I, I've, I've hit the top of the mountain. There's always, a, say this with me, there's always another level in God. I pray in the name of Jesus. I mean this. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, you would help me guard my spirit from, from any whiff of complacency in my walk with you. My wife's sitting on the front row. You know, we, we traveled together a long time. I, the, the, the arrogance and complacency that you, you would find in most ministers. I've done all that. Done all what? No one knows who you are. No one knows who I am either. But you don't hear me talk. Well, I've done every, you know, I've done it all. I've prayed and fasted, but but what? Where you're you're alive. There's still more life to live. 
How can you allow the devil to discourage you about what you haven't done? You're still breathing. Moses started at 80. Daniel got his best revelation in his 90s. Billy Graham held his biggest meeting at, at 95 years old. You're not, say, I'm not finished yet. Say, God's not through blessing me. Say, God's not through using me. That's a fact. That's not nice talk. That's a Bible fact. You know, I, I was an evangelist. I, did, I used to do what you did. I've done all that. You haven't done anything. You've held a crusade with two million people like Reinhard Bonnke. You act like you, you've, you've, you're Napoleon and you conquered and came back. You haven't done anything. There's more to do. Then once you do what others have done, God will take you to another level. I love watching Bishop Oyedepo at 70 years old, built building. After building a 50,000-seat church and going to five services, building another one. That thing's got to cost, what was the thing, the last I read, 380-some million U.S.? Their exchange rate's like 1,000 to 1. Billions of dollars in their currency with a 60% unemployment. It'd be like if 60% of this crowd was unemployed, had no money. Then the average one of you lived on $2 U.S. a day and we're building a billion-dollar building cash. with no. There's nobody to get a loan from for a building that big. Excuse me, um... Prosperity, or uh, uh, what's the credit union? Whatever. Clearview, could we borrow, just real quick, can we borrow like 1.1 bill? <laughs> they don't have that much. They don't have it to give you. They don't, they don't, there's no one to borrow that much money from. And definitely not for a church. They don't need it. He's not at seven. I have the largest church in the world, praise God, thinking about retiring. He's personally worth over $200 million U.S. I watched him. I, I, I came to New York. You want to know how to guard the fire? Is stay around people that are on fire. I went to go see Bishop Oyedepo when he came to New York. I was 35 years old. You know what stood out to me from that? I knew he was worth, back then, uh, according to Forbes, $160 million personally, not the church. You know, you live in, the, in Nigeria. You get to come to New York City, and you're worth $160 million. You've got your wife with you and your son. You'd think you'd have one of the associate pastors take the afternoon service and head out to a restaurant, go to Nobu, go to a show, go to a Knicks game. He was at every service. He called an extra service for ministers that wasn't on the schedule and met there, and there were 60 pastors there because nobody get, Americans don't, don't care about, about anything that happens if it doesn't happen in America. So they just dis dismiss. Dismiss somebody who has a church that big. And taught. I sat on, they sat me on the front row, and I, I still remember the message that he taught. He said, some of you have come from Africa to America, and God never called you here. And you exchanged a throne in Kenya for a folding chair in the United States. So you're pastoring 28 people here, and if you'd have stayed where God assigned you, it'd be easy. I still remember it. I learned something from that message, that it, there's a place. It's not, you can't just get so anointed and decide to start a church somewhere. There's a place that God has for you. There's a place that God has for you. Don't ever let the devil deceive you. I don't think I even, no. God always has a place for you. When I watched and saw that he never went to arrest, I knew from the time of the services, there's no chance he could have done anything other than preach. Because I was with him basically the whole time. And then uh, he flew out Friday night after the service at 11 o'clock and was in his pulpit Sunday morning. 
at 60 years old back then. I thought, this guy doesn't even, look, when when we've been singing that song, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Kenneth Hagin took his first vacation at 70 years old for his 50th wedding anniversary. Somebody sent him to Hawaii at 70. Now, I take two vacations a year minimum. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you. These guys were not, well, I used to hold. Kenneth Hagin was talking about how he used to hold healing meetings in the 50s. He was having his biggest meetings when all those other guys were gone. Ministries went good and then up. He was still at his peak, packing the Tulsa Convention Center up. 82, 83, 84, 85, on fire. The fire must never go out. Now, if you, if you go to this Bible college and come under this ministry fellowship, you're going to be in an odd fellowship because you won't have to sin or anything to lose your credentials. If I turn your live stream on and you suck, <laughs> and I can tell you're not praying, you're weak, I'll just snatch those credentials. Because you can, I, we're not having that. We are not going to proliferate another generation of powerless pulpits. Some half effort message that there, you can tell the guy has spent no time with God. But we are going to turn out, not just from this Bible college, from this church. People that do know their God and become strong. And do exploits in his name. Those that, that's, that's the book of Daniel. Those that know their God. So part of fasting is knowing God. Getting to know him. Get acquainted with him. Know his voice. Know his spirit. Know his power. Not know about it. Know it. You can know God like some of you know automotive parts. Like some of you know watches. You know, my friend Yuri, Yuri's jewelry in downtown Pittsburgh, he can just look at, he, he doesn't need a little glass. He doesn't need to send anything to an expert. He'll tell you exactly what type of gold that is. If that's a good diamond, just look and those aren't good diamonds. That's his thing. But whatever you do, you should be good at something in the business world. But you should know your father. You should know his voice. You should know his spirit. He wants you to know him, not know about him. I mean, Jesus was born, uh, and experts think about 3 AD, and then he ministered in Capernaum, which is about 30 kilometers north of the Sea of Tiberias. It's, it's a dead book to you. You don't, you don't know the, you know a bunch of facts. You can quote scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know it. You can rattle off scriptures. That's not knowing God. It's one thing to have the Bible in your head. It's another thing to have it abiding in your heart. Having an encounter with God. My mom sent me to, to the Pennsylvania Delaware Assemblies of God, Pennsylvania Delaware District Kids Camp when I was seven. Nathan Miller, that pastors Champion Christian Center in Washington, was sitting next to me. I'm seven, he's eight. And another friend of ours. And that guy, I still remember, taught on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, gave illustrations to help us understand it. And said, anybody that would like the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come forward right now. Me and Nathan got up and went down. I mean, now we're both pastoring in neighboring counties. That, that started then. At seven, I heard, if there's something in this book, I want it. I want the whole thing. I remember I used to watch He-Man, and I went to Sunday school one time, and I was going, I have the power. 
I have the power. And the teacher said, no, you don't have the power. God has the power. I was like, mm, I think I feel like I'm right on this one. <laughs> and it turned out I was right. But say, I have the power. I have the power. Jesus, gave it to me. Jesus gave it to me. Yeah, I didn't get it from the Castle of Grayskull. I got it from the Holy Ghost. I liked it when I was seven and I went up there. Lord didn't say, now you're just a boy. You go back when you're older. No. Amazing, man. How they try to push kids out of church and then wonder why they won't come when they're 14. They, want, they were hungry then. You kicked them out. I went back to get baptized at church after that. Oh, you're a little young, aren't you? Don't you think you should wait until later when you know? No, I want to get baptized now. I was pushy then. I'd like to get baptized. I heard their signups. I'd like to get baptized. I mean, freaking A, man. You put me in Wednesday night church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Royal Rangers. Yeah, I would like to do the things you're telling me. Oh, you know, when you're older. And I remember Pastor Volpe, he was there. He said, no, let him get baptized. I said, okay, there's there's four weeks of classes to attend. Then you can get baptized. I remember being 10 minutes into the first class. Old man, washed, new man. Got it. What's the other three weeks about? It's not difficult. It's like religion has to complicate everything. We don't know where he is. We don't know why sometimes he hides his presence from us. What are you smoking? Where's that in the Bible? Everything's convoluted. We don't know why some. How many know God sometimes? He won't run from you, but he will play hide and seek. How much weed did you smoke before you came to preach tonight? That ain't in the Bible. It's easy. Get back, be baptized. Killer. Going back to the beginning. Just does what he heard me preach. Lead his friends to the Lord. Then march them down to the, one, the Pacific Ocean. Baptize them. Go to the next one. Catholic priest is irate. Local, local pastors are irate. You can't baptize people. Why? He said, why not? They couldn't tell him. What is right? Maybe you're just an angry person. Amazing, you know. Like your average dried up minister, there's no pleasing them. People don't pray. People don't witness. Then you got a guy that's witnessing and baptizing people, and then they tell you you can't do it. So what do you want? What did Jesus do when the disciples came and said, Master, there's people that are casting out devils using your name. Tell them to stop. He said, relax. Anybody that's for us won't soon be against us. Let them do it. God's not looking to take power from people. The devil did. Jesus came to break the power of sin and give you back the power of heaven. I think I've made myself pretty clear over the last two years. But just to make it crystal clear, you are never going to get a reprimand from me or anybody in this church. For telling people about Jesus. You don't have to have a badge or permission or be head of the evangelism team. We don't even have that. You can stand a better chance of getting in trouble not doing that. Every believer here. These signs will follow all who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. They will lay their hands. They, all that believe, will lay their hands. You're going to see God do signs and wonders through your life this year in the name of Jesus Christ. Signs and wonders belong to the believer.
Not the pastor. Not the evangelist. They belong to the believer. The pastor is, Jesus is the great shepherd, pastor's under shepherd, to, to, to give some order to the thing. That's it. I like, I like that I went to, I knew, I knew the devil was in trouble in this city and that this thing is now off the rails and there's no stopping it. When I went to Texas for three weeks to obey God to start that church and figured we'll dip by about 250 people, but at least I obeyed God and then I'll just figure out how to build it back up. And it grew by what? Went from like 620 to 970 without me here. Then I knew we had a church. We had people who don't need some cheerleader. The offerings went up without me here. We now had believers who were following God. For there to be as many people as there were last night here, knowing I wasn't going to be here. You can watch on I just watch. No, coming to meet with God because the veil in the temple is open. You're not coming to touch me. You're coming to touch Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, w- I went up to the altar and prayed. Father, that thing that he told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want it. And I received. I remember I was getting, um, they wouldn't pass me in Spanish because I couldn't say the double R in the alphabet. There's two R's in the Spanish alphabet. There's R, the regular R, then there's a double R, Arre. But I, I was from Washington County. I said Arre. She said, no, that doesn't count. You got to roll your tongue. Yes, I can't. You tell me to roll my tongue at seven years old from Washington County. Might as well told me to slam dunk a basketball from the foul line. It's not happening, brother. When I got hit at that altar and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I heard myself praying. And I was thinking, I can't do that. And I felt the Lord say, exactly. That's not you trying to pray in another language. That's me praying through you in groanings and utterances that can't be expressed in your natural language. Tears coming out my eyes and I'm not sad. These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they're very filled with the Holy Ghost. Me and, me and Nathan laid by each other there on the gym floor. Praying in tongues. I remember our counselor came because I think they thought we were just faking so we could stay up. He came and shook my little shoulder. I'm seven. He's a grown man. Hey, hey, you got to go to, let's go. We got to go to bed now. When I, whatever look there was in my eye, I just remember when he shook my shoulder, it really ticked me off because I was having a good time. Hey, we got to go. I went like this. And when I looked up at him, oh, you can stay. Oh, yeah, backed him off with my little seven-year-old eyes. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. You'll get these members-only shoes kicking you in the chest. Amen. We stayed there praying. I remember when we finished, we both got up, we hugged each other, went back to our seats, and our third friend was sitting there. He never went up. And I remember saying to him, so-and-so, how come you didn't go up? He went like this. "Mm." He's not serving the Lord now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what makes some people vessels of dishonor and others. I don't know. I don't know why two people can come to the same church service, one storm out after 20 minutes, 
Because it's their first time, but another person's their first time. They sit forward like this the whole time. Then come to the altar and receive. I don't know why, but I would make up my mind if I was you. See, everything, Pastor Nathan's building a new church. I saw it in Washington County. We're building a new one. We've got the one going in Texas. That was all put in us as little children. Just waiting to come out. Hallelujah. God can take one night and load you so full of him that you just spend the rest of your life having come out of your spirit what he put in you in one night. There are special nights with God. I pray not one of these students that are here leaves this Bible college without having had an encounter with God. Not enjoying my preaching, having had a personal encounter with God. I pray all the parents that are here. I'm not really called to the ministry. Are you a parent? I would not. If I had the choice between trying to raise a child now in the flesh and trying to raise one within the power of the spirit. Anybody ever hear the healing evangelist Jack Coe? They asked. He ran an orphanage because he was an orphan. So when his ministry took off, he, wanted to, he, he ran an orphanage, I think, in Dallas. They asked one of the kids that was in the orphanage if he had any mem- uh, memories of Jack Coe. He said, oh, yeah. They would give us tasks to do as orphans. You know, at the orphanage, we had to clean stuff and do chores. And I had made a friend at school, and the friend's dad invited me to go to the, the fair. So I asked him if I could go. He said, if you do all your chores and you're done by such and such a time, you can go. He said, so I got up early, worked hard, got it all done. And I told him I was done, and I was happy to go. He went, all right. And then he said, and then he got this far-off look in his eye and went, no. You can't go. You have to stay here. He said, I was the maddest I've ever been. You lied to me. And then I told my friend his day when they came, he won't let me go. I was so mad. And that day, coming back from the fair, somebody crossed the double yellow lines and hit that car and killed the dad and the son. He saw it in the spirit. No, check. Don't let him go. Hey, mom, can I go over a sleepover? Everything's fine. It's not, it's not in some dumpy house. The dad's a lawyer. The mom is on the city council. Something bad's going to go down at that place, and the Lord will let you know. You'll feel a red light. Uh-uh. You don't have to hear a voice. Red light. Don't do it. Don't have her go. As many as are led by the Spirit. You don't have to be a prophet. As many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons and daughters of God. Now, you have already changed levels tonight, and you're going to cross over even further before the end of this night. We are going to have people in this church that are spiritual Christians. That when they pray for someone, when you finish praying, they'll hug you without meaning to hug you. And say, I've never felt anything like that before. Oh, yeah. We're not going to have two or three people like that or a couple people on the pastoral staff. We're going to have rows of seats full of people that when they pray for the sick, they get healed. When they pray for somebody that's battling drug addiction, the spirit goes. Hey, I remember you from Bridgeville. Good to see you again. God bless you. Say this out loud. God has something for me tonight. I close with this scripture. Turn to 2 Timothy 1. You can keep playing. You don't bother me. 2 Timothy chapter 1.
put a marker like I'm doing, if you have one, in 2 Timothy 1. Turn to Revelation 3. Say with me, the fire, the fire must, never go out. must never go out. Revelation 3, verse 15. Jesus said to our end time church, not just the church in Laodicea, the seventh church age. I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Matthew 25. Turn to Matthew 25. I'm going to couple all these scriptures together and then I'll leave you alone for about 12 hours. Matthew 25. Hallelujah. I don't know if you got anything out of tonight or not, but I sure did. I feel it overflowing from my spirit. I'm receiving a full tank of octane to run for 12 months right now. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Say wait upon the Lord. It's not those that wait for the Lord. Whenever you're ready, Lord, I'm here. No. Those that wait upon the Lord. Like a waiter waits on you in the restaurant. How do you serve God? He doesn't want food. He doesn't want a hamburger. He wants praise. He wants thanksgiving. He wants worship. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I got that. I got my wings of eagles waiting in the hangar at uh, LJ, LNJ Aviation. I mounted up with wings as eagles. They shall run and never grow weary. They shall walk and not. How do you guard against burnout in the ministry? I don't know. I don't have, I don't know what that is. The Bible says if you wait upon the Lord, you'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and never grow weary. Not grow weary less. You'll never grow weary. You'll walk and you shall not faint. I'm telling you in 2024, you're fixing to run. There's a fire getting lit in you right now. You are going to blaze through this year. You're going to do more. Some of you are going to do more in the first three months than you ever have done in any year in Jesus' mighty name. Because like everything else, it starts with you. It's your choice. Those that wait upon the Lord. Not some God picks some. To, no. If you wait upon the Lord, clear out some time from your schedule and minister to your Father. The only thing God can't do for himself is praise and thank himself. So when you come and minister, they were ministering to the Lord with, with fasting and worship. Acts 13, and the Lord said, set them apart for the, aside for a special work. Matthew 25, 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, that's now. How come Jesus hasn't come back yet? When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So there is, the Bible's telling you what to guard against here. Spiritual slumber. People losing their ministries left and right as the bridegroom's delayed, falling into sin, became drowsy. Everybody say, not me. Not me. If 
Fasting and prayer is what you do that guards, it'll, it'll keep you where you don't get lackadaisical like that. You stay sharp. Garments white, ready for the coming of the Lord. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with them to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't even know who you are. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Another scripture telling you to focus on you. Are people backsliding left and right? Yeah, I can't control that. I can sow the word. I can't make people do anything, neither can God. But I can watch me. And I can make sure as others are getting drowsy, I'm keeping my fire burning. I'm not going to be one of the five fools. I'm going to be one of the five wise. How about you? How do you do it? Go to 2 Timothy 3. I know I ran a little longer than the other nights, but look. Catch this last part. Second Timothy 3. Sorry, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. I'll start at verse 3. 2 Timothy 1, 3. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith. In the original language, it's unfeigned, unbridled faith. I remember your strong, genuine faith. For you, how, Where did it come from? For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Can you pass that bad things down as a parent? Yes. Can you also pass good things down? Yes. And I know this same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. When did he get it? When I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and soundness of mind. Your faith came from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and your, the, the, it also came from a gift when I laid my hands on you. Who you hang around determines what you become. And the quality of your life will be determined largely by the quality of hands that are laid on you. Nobody would feel shortchanged in these services if I just dismissed. You had pl plenty of preaching, got touched by God. I'm laying hands on people, not as a Pentecostal way to close the service out. To take what I got at that altar in 87 and at my dad's meetings at Whited Bible Camp and Bible College and other places and 
Paul didn't keep it. It's the opposite of what you hear. It died out with the last apostle. No, the exact opposite. I took what God gave me and I passed it to you. Now stir up those flames. Don't let it sit. Receive it and keep it ever on fire. I talked to a preacher. Kenneth Hagin would preach from the pulpit. And then when he was done, he'd zip his Bible up when he was done praying for people and left. He didn't meet with people privately almost ever. He didn't pray for people privately almost ever. But one guy that was close to him, he told me. He said, I asked Brother Hagin if he'd lay hands on me. And he nodded his head, yes. And he said, this was the only prayer he prayed. He put both hands on my head and went, fresh oil, fresh oil, and keep him ever fresh. That was it. He said, I was out. Fresh oil. We, we, we've been singing a song while we've been here. Fresh oil from heaven. Flow in your power. While we stand in reverence, fill our hearts. Fresh oil. Some people are running on stale oil. You see them. They used to have great ministries in the 90s. They're stale now. The oil went dry. But I made up my mind to start this year. I'm not running on 2023 oil. I threw the old milk out. I've thrown the old, old olive oil out. I'm running on fresh oil. I'm running on fresh fire. My fire will never go out. I'm not going to be cold. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm going to have fire, fresh fire from hell. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. And keep it stirred up. You can stay on your feet. Say, lift both hands to the Lord. Say, fresh oil. Fresh oil. Load, me Load me down with fresh oil. Fresh oil. Say, fresh fire. fresh fire. Give me fresh fire. Give me fresh fire. Now make a declaration. I will. Keep this fire, fire. stirred up. up. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, your fire will never go out. The coldness and deadness of this world will never affect the fire that's on the inside of you. If you threw Paul in prison, the prison didn't overwhelm Paul. Paul overwhelmed the prison by fire. By fresh fire. That's what's coming into you right now. All the things the devil's trying to do. Untimely deaths. Kids that got on drugs. The main goal is for you to let it snuff out your fire. But you didn't. Here you stand. There's people here the devil gave you reasons to not come to church. Things have not gone. But here you are. You're not running from God. You made up your mind. I'm going to press in. I'm not letting my oil run dry. I'm not letting my fire go out. Not only am I not letting it get out, I'm going to be more on fire now than I've ever been in my life. I'm not going to be an I used to preacher or an I used to Christian. I'm going to be right on the cusp and the wave of what God's doing. In Jesus' name. I want these three guys that came down from Montreal to stand shoulder to shoulder when you get to the, the, the front section. Right there is good. Stand shoulder to shoulder. Obviously, a great hunger brings you from Canada down here. Pay for hotel and everything. Fresh fire. A fire that will never go out. 
That's what I have for everybody tonight. Anybody that's interested. This is a divine encounter service. Not to know a bunch of facts about God, but to, that I may know him in the power of the resurrection. Canada needs that. Canada can't have one more generation of blasé, spiritless Christians. They need you. Your nation is calling for you. God is looking for you to do a great work, to do a great work in that nation, to go to your people. In Jesus' name, in the name, fresh fire. I loose the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. In, that's it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're watching from Canada, I'm going to be in the west coast of Canada uh, in March. Vancouver. First time I've ever been. So tell people, get ready. Tell all the Chinese people. Tell all the Asian people that are there. Tell all the, the, the Ukrainians and white Canadians and Somalian and all the refugees. Tell them. Get the word out. We're going to smack the west coast this year. The devil's going to have the worst year he's ever had. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. If you're here tonight, we've not done this in any, any of the meetings. But I'm going to do things a little differently tonight. I'm going to give the same altar call that that guy gave at that kids camp. I've been calling people out and laying hands on them. Actually, I haven't even done that that much. We've been lining people up and laying hands on everybody. I don't want anybody to come casually or son. This is a, a serious call. If you say Jonathan, and then Kofi, after I give this call, I'll turn it over. Pastor Kofi, I'll turn it over to you in Texas to pray for our family there, our church family. One church, two cities. I want the fire. I've come here tonight hungry. I'm not complacent. I want a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost, a passion for God that emanates from my spirit. I'm going to have you guys cue up that song we've been playing that's, that's come from the Holy Ghost that, uh, that Pastor Ray Silliers recorded. Everyone that would say, Jonathan, I believe God brought me here tonight. To not go the way of the five that let their oil run dry. It's amazing how this world and working a job and without even trying, it just has a way to drain the oil. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like the five wise. I want to keep a guard on my oil. My fire will never go out. I refuse to let the deadness of this world turn me from on fire to lukewarm. Maybe you're here and you're cold. You've never had an encounter with God. And you say, tonight, I'm done with being cold, being a victim of pharmaceutical companies, that the pills don't help, medication doesn't help. I haven't found any, like our friend that testified to start the service, I haven't found any relief from the things that this world has to offer. I want Christ. I want the Holy Ghost. I want to live for Jesus and live with the passion and fire that comes from the Holy Spirit. 
very quickly, I want you to, if that's you, I want you to come from your seat and come to the altar right now as close as you can come. And we're going to spend some time in worship and pray in Jesus' name. I'll give you a few seconds. God's dealing with your heart. I want the fire. I want the cross. I want the oil. I want God's hand on my life. God's dealing with me. I want the fire. I want Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come as close as you can. I want the fire. I don't want to live like the world lives. I want to read, I want to live like those men and women in the Bible I read about that were on their own path, their own wavelength with God. That's what I want now. Go ahead and play that song. Every hand lifted, the words are going to be on the screen. Just let the anointing. God. Now, as this plays, God's going to do a work in your spirit as you worship him. He's going to refill your oil to overflowing. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And he's going to relight a fire in you that the world will never be able to take out. Go ahead and play it. Every hand lifted. Enter into the presence of God. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Open your spirit. I want, I want the fire. I want your anointing. I want your best. I'll set my sights above the clouds where God does dwell and His glory does prevail. I will move. Let Him touch you tonight. Let Him change you tonight. You'll never be the same. I will move up high. I'm going high. Fresh oil. Tonight's a night to encounter fresh oil. Fresh fire. Fresh anointing. Fresh love for Jesus. Fresh passion for the Bible.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is what heaven's going to sound like. This is what heaven sounds like. I'll tell you, no addicts are leaving this building tonight. You're leaving free. That fire burns out sin. It burns out addiction. It burns out depression. Tanya 
Go ahead and continue to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want everyone here to pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. He is the Son of God who was sent to the earth to die on the cross to forgive me of my sin. But he rose again on the third day to break the back of sin and death over my life. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I have been forgiven in Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I curse every form of insecurity. I curse every form of fear that would try to attach itself to your people and constrain them from doing what they've been called to do in the mighty name of Jesus. From this moment forward, I thank you that your hand of protection, the blood of Jesus is upon every person here to consecrate them for the work that they've been created for in the mighty name of Jesus. Every enemy that's represented here that would try to take them off course we command it to go back to hell in Jesus name and in its stead father your glorious protection your heavenly host of angels that encamp about us to protect us to lead us and to guide us in the mighty name of Jesus father I curse that which would get in the way from accomplishing everything you've called for us every 
everything in body that would try to take us out. Every tumor, every blood disease, every disorder of the mind, from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet, I command you to be healed. And Father, I thank you that grace from heaven begins to flow upon your people like the anointing oil from the top of their heads down to the soles of their feet in the mighty name of Jesus, never to be the same. Father, I thank you for tonight, a night of consecration and setting us apart for the work that you've called for us to do. Now, even now, equip your saints in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that your word declares that we lack no good thing and we declare that over our lives even now in the mighty name of Jesus. Now pray some more. Pray for this church here and in Texas and the growth of it and the expansion of it and for me and you and the leadership. Let's take, let's take five minutes or so and commit this church to God in prayer. We thank you, Father, for the growth and multiplication you've done, yes. but we press in for more. Yes. We ask you for more. What we can't do, what you can easily do, we lean on you. Father, I thank you for the speed of the Holy Ghost. I don't pray for the doubling of this church, Father. I pray for the triple. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for exponential growth here in Pittsburgh and in Dallas. And Father, I thank you that looking back on it on Christmas 2024, no other person can get the glory but you. In the mighty name of Jesus, do a work that no man can get the credit for. Anoint your servants that work here in the mighty name of Jesus. Anoint us for growth. Bring in the help that's necessary to facilitate exponential growth in the year of 2024 in the mighty name of Jesus give us and do us with a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus and now father I thank you that your angels go and get what we are desiring for from the north the south the east and the West, those souls that are lost, Father. I pray that you would put a magnet in the church in Pittsburgh, 
that you would put a magnet in the church in Dallas. And I pray, Father, that lost souls would gravitate, would be magnetized to those centers in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the lost souls of Pittsburgh. We pray for the lost souls of DFW. Father, let them not go to hell. In the mighty name of Jesus, you've sent us to do the work. Now with your grace, with your favor, with the anointing that you've placed on this house, help us to accomplish that vision in the mighty name before it's too late. Equip us, Lord. Guide us. Lead us. Bring us the help that's necessary in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray for Pastor Jonathan in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, let a grace from heaven come upon him to do the work of a hundred evangelists in Jesus' name with ease in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, guard, guard him. Put Put a fence around them of protection in the mighty name of Jesus. Every single day, lead them and guide them into exactly where you would have them to be in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for him, Father, doors of wide open opportunity. I pray for an acceleration of reach in the mighty name of Jesus. Make his name a household name in the United States and around the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, let his voice carry over. Over, even across the seas in the mighty name of Jesus bring in the harvest whenever he preaches I thank you that the anointing would go forth in a powerful way more than he's ever experienced let the the crusades and every meeting that he preaches at father have accelerated growth I pray father that the multitude would come out expand his territory expand his reach keep them safe Keep them pure in the mighty name of Jesus. Every person that would make it their business to see to it for his demise or to slow him down, we command them to be removed even now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for an anointing, a fresh anointing from heaven to pour over Jonathan in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that as he reads his word, new things would come out and uh, reveal yourself to him in, in, in ways he's never uh, experienced before in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, bless the work of his hands. Acceleration, acceleration, and acceleration from the left to the right, from the uh, top to the bottom in the mighty name of Jesus, everything he does, I command it to accelerate supernaturally in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, thank you for open doors, whatever that might look like. I thank you that you would use them as a mouthpiece for the nation in the mighty name of Jesus. Make his name great. Protect him in everything he does in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every life that's here. Thank you for touching us tonight. Thank you that we'll never be the same. 
You know that song that we played, I Will Move Up Higher, that came out of one of Kenneth Hagin's meetings. I think it was written in the meeting. I love how those faith songs are all phrased in the positive. Not I'd love to go up higher, please help me go up higher. I will move up higher. Ball's in your court. There's no if God will do it. You make up your mind. The psalmist said in Psalm 92, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Not please anoint me with fresh oil. I will be anointed with fresh oil. You make up your mind like you're doing right now. And then God responds in the affirmative. So I want, this is how you make your Christianity not be praying and hoping it works. The Bible says after you pray, thank him for what he's done. We have this confidence that if we hear him, if, if we ask anything in line with his will, if he hears us, he will answer us. We have our petitions. So it's not if God will do it or not. It's done. He heard you. It's done. So we're going to lift our hands and I want you to take about two or three minutes. There'll be enough volume going. No one's going to hear you. Just begin to thank him for fresh fire. Thank him for fresh anointing. Thank him that you're not leaving the service to go repeat and have the same tomorrow that you had yesterday. No, things are different now. Not hoping it works. I have received it. I receive it. I receive it, Father. I will move up higher. I'll set my sights. I'm setting them right now. High above the clouds. I'm going to live my life where I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. While you thank him with your hands lifted. Play the song one more time from the back. Every hand lifted. Tell him. Tell him out of your heart. I receive that today. I make up my mind today. I'm not going backwards. My oil is not going to run out. My fire is not going to go out. I'm not going lukewarm. Too much fire. Too much oil. Too much overflowing cup. Power from on high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your homes right now. Those of you watching, let the glory of God come into your home. Touch your children. Touch you. Touch your marriage. Touch everything that pertains to you. Bush on the other above the earth, Rondo Rebani. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We receive from you now. Rondo Rebani Arabot. Pishkan the Aramondo Rebat. Bush on the Arabot. Rondo Rebani Arabot.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful are you, Lord. Mighty are you, Lord. In all my ways, I'll acknowledge Him, His plans and purpose I will pursue. Declare some things as your pastor. From today, you operate at a new level. Many people that are here, you'll barely get the chance to think about it and it'll already be in your possession. While the world spirals down, you will blast off up higher and higher into the presence of Jesus. 
The anointing that's on your life right now, it won't leave you. The Lord will teach you and show you how to walk in it every day of your life. When your alarm goes off in the morning, make communion with God the first thing you do. I don't mean the bread and the juice. I mean, good morning, Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your hand that's upon my life today. Thank you for leading me and guiding me today. Thank you that I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. Thank you that Christ lives in me, that I'm in him. He's in me. I can do all things because he gives me strength. Is there anybody in this building that's angry at something your, your wife did right now? Angry at your husband for something? No, there's not. Is there anybody addicted to a drug right now? No. Is there anybody smoking right now? No. Stay in this. Take this home with you. It'll alleviate stress or, or fighting in your marriage. Anybody here right now very worried about money? No, not worried at all. It's not even a thought in your head because you're in the anointing. When you're in the anointing, there's no worry. There's no anger. There's no strife. There's no division. So, so learn how, like you entered into it right now, stay in it. Stir it up. It'll cause you to just take stuff on the chin that used to make you lash out. Don't care. You must be having a bad day. So, like Jesus. You know, they're pinning you to a cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They got worked up into a frenzy. Love takes no thought for itself. See? Anger and fights with your wife and stuff start with, I, I'm not respected. I'm, that's, that, that ain't the Lord. Jesus was severely disrespected. He didn't even care. So this is going to come into your home with you. This church is going to be an anomaly. It's going to be extremely healthy. It's going to have a massively low divorce rate. It's going to have sons and daughters that don't know drugs and alcohol. In the name of Jesus, the same way alcohol has never touched my lips and the desire for drugs has never entered into my, the desire for it has never entered into my system. By the Holy Ghost, that is tonight imparted into you and your children. You will have a drug-free home, alcohol-free home. You'll have a holy home full of the presence of God. Children that want God. Children that want the Holy Ghost. Marriages that are full of the love of God. You're going to flow in the opposite direction of the world. You are going to flow in the opposite direction of the world. Effortlessly. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm so glad that you came tonight, my friend. I didn't mean to single you out earlier, but I, I always liked you. Welcome home. Tonight, the Lord's forgiven all your sins. He's written your name in heaven. The devil has no access to destroy your life from tonight. This is going to be the best year you've ever had as you stay walking close to God. And I felt the Lord speak to me to tell you that. In Jesus' name. It's going to be different from tonight. In Jesus' name. Thanks for always being so nice to me when our office was in Bridgeville. Sorry I didn't get a chance to say bye, but everything happened real fast. And it's still happening fast. Praise God. Praise God. Is that Anton? Anton? Do I have the right Mick Jesse? Let me see your hand. 
Whatever you've come to these meetings, pressing into God to receive, tonight it was released to you. Jesus' name. Praise God. How many can tell this time of fasting and prayers turning things? It, everything turning around for your good. Even, even since we started fasting and praying, the penguins don't even lose anymore. Praise God. How many appreciate Pastor Adonis? <laughs> Pastor Adonis, I'm going to have you come up here because I, I don't know how to close the service. I don't either. Why are you asking me to do it? <laughs> I feel like you'll do a better job than me. Do you just want me to like pray or sing a song? <laughs> Every morning we're doing broadcasts at 10 and then we prayer at noon, 10-ish. And, uh, and then back here at seven. Let's finish this second week strong, Thursday and Friday. Next Friday, not this Friday, we're gonna have all night prayer, 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. If you're watching online and you haven't registered for the fast, please register, rtcregister.com, and be a part of that all-night prayer. Wouldn't it be great to have like 450 people praying all night? So that's next Friday. Try to clear your schedule 11 p.m. to 6 in the morning. I know that's prime heroin selling hours. But if you could just take the night off of doing that and come pray with us, that'd be great. I mean, really, how can anyone have an excuse not to come to prayer at 11 p.m.? I have to, uh, what? I'm going to mow the grass. <laughs> Get a noise complaint. Who was blessed tonight? Let me tell you something. However blessed you got, you've blessed me more. We had about 45 people come to these meetings week, year one of the church when we did fasting and prayer. We launched this church in fasting and prayer like this. Year two... 87, 106, 111 on a great night. And then now, what was tonight, Pat? Three thirty. So we more than came when we started the church on Sunday mornings to fast and pray, to starve and pray. <laughs> There's no way I can look out at this crowd right now and not have a great hope that God's not finished with America. Because look. Young people, mothers and fathers, seniors that have not bowed to Baal or kissed his face, and their fire's far from out. They're the most on fire they've ever been. Thanks for making me happy. God bless everyone. Lift your hands up one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. 
that this year will be the best year of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for blessing every individual here over abundantly, far more than they could ask for. And whatever happens in 2023, I thank you that it, it can't come into 2024. In the mighty name of Jesus, double for the trouble of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the total turnaround, for freedom, and I thank you that you seal it with the blood of Jesus Christ and all God's people said amen. amen now I want you to find two people you've never met and introduce yourself to them in Jesus name have a good night thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast if you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.